0: hello and once again welcome back to the gratuitous pausing podcast i'm your host alex Dreyhawk.
1: and i'm your co-host Jack Sneflin
0: thank you for joining us this week for episode 12 of our prep school bracket this week we'll be discussing 2005 sky high as well as 1992 school ties
1: these movies are both about how horrific it is when the expectation of genetics is used to organize a school.
0: Last week I said both of these films involve fascism so why don't we go ahead and just jump straight
1: into Sky High. Um okay why is Sue Tennis not a pun name? Everybody else is a good pun name. Unless like a reference to something that I don't know about which it can't be. I know all things.
0: I don't know like Zach and Magenta don't really have pun names.
1: Uh, That's true. I mean I guess Magenta is because she wears purple but that's, that's probably just like a you know chicken egg thing.
0: Honestly, most of the puns are from the previous
1: generation of heroes. Will Strong holds a legacy, so... Right. So is War and Peace. Interesting. Interesting. So pun names aren't genetic. Names aren't
0: genetic. (laughs) Uh, That does bring me to this interesting point of this dichotomy in uh, the film between the current generation of heroes and sidekicks and the previous generation. This film is really commenting on cycles and how parents and teachers can perpetuate the bad systems that they experienced in high school when they are involved from a parent or teacher perspective in the future.
1: And part of that comes from this fairly small pool of people to choose from for these teachers. Because I mean, I get it. Like, it's hard to teach someone to be a superhero if you're not a superhero. So you really only have, like, other superheroes to do it or at least super affiliates, mm-hmm. so you're going to have a lot of crossover between personal life and professional life. Mm-hmm. It's a problem that I don't know how you get away from, although I guess it does come from this kind of weird thing where there's only one city, it seems like, in this space. I think part of it is a, there's some weirdness with the world building, because we're led to believe that it is
0: a universe not dissimilar from our own.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, cause there's, they, there's like the Superdome and stuff.
0: Yeah, and they, they mentioned, you know, like, Italy. Uh, and so, like other different countries. We don't really get to see much beyond Will's house and
1: the school. Parts of the city, but it doesn't look like anywhere in particular, just the idea of city. Yeah. Which, like- I mean, I'm fine with. Like, it's a, a thing in DC Comics where you just have, like, Central City and Coast City and Star City.
0: Yeah, but at least... Those cities do have some amount of personality, and you can tie them to analogs. Yeah. In D.C., Metropolis is very much supposed to be New York, and Gotham is supposed to be across the bay in what would be New Jersey.
1: Although the way I've always heard it described that I like is that Metropolis is New York by day and Gotham is New York by night.
0: There's also uh, definitely a lot of Chicago that has uh, seeped into Gotham in the past few decades. Yeah, but the adults and teachers in this film are they're so petty mm-hmm. like they are maintaining the grudges and clicks from high school you see that with mr stronghold and baron battle and how that their relationship has affected their sons you see that with all-american boy and his relationship to the
1: commander and i get that it's like more for comedy sake and also yeah. to build some world but it's worrying how they're all just allowed to, to be these teachers.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we even have uh, a line from the commander, like when Will's placed in the sidekick course, the commander automatically assumes that Boomer did it just to get under his skin.
1: I washed out of power placement, Boomer. Didn't make the big time, so now he thinks he can pass judgment on some real heroes, kids, huh? Oh, it's a power trip, Will. That's all it is. Sonic Boom? Try Gym Teacher Man. And I really love
0: the way that the film reinforces this idea of cycles repeating with its soundtrack. The soundtrack is all 80s music but covered by uh, contemporary artists, at least contemporary artists in 2005. right. So there's a lot of like these teen pop punk bands covering these 80s classics. And it really fits the themes of the film incredibly well. Uh, it's much more thoughtful than I would have expected for a film like this.
1: Right. It works with the themes and it's really cool. and it kind of creates a unique sonic landscape for the film to exist in, which I think is important for a film's identity. I do would not automatically
0: assume that it's cheaper just because the songs
1: are older. Mm, sure, and it seems like music could be an odd place to shell out, but I guess if they're really passionate about the theme, then it works. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, while we're talking about like these, you know, cycles repeating itself, the main cycle that's repeating itself is this denigration of sidekicks, or as the film calls it, pyro support. Mm-hmm. You know, we see Sky High, and it's obviously a very well-funded school. I mean, it's on this floating island in the sky, it has its own jet-powered school buses, a lot of the- like the science lab that we see is very well stocked, their gymnasium is pretty robust. But if you look at the sidekick classroom, it looks like the set of a underfunded public school.
1: Yeah, it's a very stark visual contrast um, to- Somewhat absurd degrees, but I'm also okay with it it because it's that kind of movie. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's definitely that kind of movie.
1: I also do assume that money is very weird in this universe. Like, if people have the superpower of being good at technology, then surely, like, tech gadgets must have different financial values in different ways. So, Mm. yeah, I don't want to invalidate your point. It's more that if this ever gets like a remake or a TV show or whatever, I want to spend like two episodes focusing on the economics.
0: We also have to assume that there's probably a significant number of alumni who are billionaire playboy
1: philanthropists. That's very true. Although I don't know how many of you know of your Tony Stark or your Batman heroes there are in this, because of how focused we are on everybody having like quirks or X genes or, or however you want to express the idea of like the inherent superpowers. Mister Boy is around as. a a support and he doesn't seem to have any superpowers or anything but he's also kind of grandfathered in whereas I don't think any of the current students would show up without you know anything except Will right but he's he's you know assumed to have something he's like he's legacyed in Mm -hmm. just Joe nobody couldn't get in there hmm
0: Speaking about, like, powers, I do like how they play around with the pairing of powers and personalities. Very often you get a character with fire powers, and they are a hothead, quick to anger, impulsive. And that's the initial reaction to Warren, but as the film goes on, he's revealed to probably be the most level-headed character in the film.
1: Right, he has the most emotional intelligence of any of the core cast mm-hmm. including the adults mm-hmm. especially including the adults. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like the only
0: one who comes cl- really uh, the adult women Jetstream and principal powers seem to have good heads on their shoulders all of the adult men are man children
1: yeah although also the adult women don't seem to be like doing that much about the men children around them so pros and cons I guess Jetstream does at one point stop Mr. Stronghold from dunking the child into a vat of acid. So there's that. Yeah, she is. She's doing her best. Yeah, and I guess to a certain extent, the same could be said of Jetstream. She, you know, her superpower is flying and being very fast, but she's kind of slow and meticulous, she has, like, poise to her. Mm -hmm. Instead of, like, usually you have a thing with, like, speedsters being, like, quick and impulsive or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, with your powers flight being literally flighty. Yeah. So I do appreciate that they're kind of going against type on some of these. I think that's one of the ways that this feels surprisingly fresh as far as superhero films go.
1: While a lot of it is very clearly referential, it is not a very flat uh, reference point. It's uh, There's a novel called Hero by Perry Moore that's kind of playing with some of the same tropes of being these like ersatz hero characters where it's a lot more blatant to the point of feeling unoriginal. There's a character who's so very obviously not Wonder Woman that it, she may as well just be called Wonder Woman. It feels on the lazy side, whereas this at least They put in the work to create characters that feel like they could exist in a superhero universe as opposed to being just like Party City Halloween costume versions of those superheroes. Yes.
0: Yeah, just the Justice League with the serial numbers file off. The powered pals. One like minor thing I do want to bring up. So the big red phone is very often a thing when you're dealing with heroes. You see it in like the Adam West Batman series, uh, like even in Powerpuff Girls. (laughs) And here... The way they do that is it's a very bright red flip phone. And I just, I appreciate that attention to detail.
1: It's a very two thousand touch, but I'm here for it. Yes. The wackiness really works, especially in um, our modern day where we need to be relatively serious with our heroes. They need to die and grow old and say the fuck word. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Charles Xavier, go fuck yourself.
0: That is one of the benefits of kind of coming up in the more experimental phase of superhero film.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Because we're still a few years before Iron Man at this point, yeah? Yeah. We're three
0: years before Iron Man, three years after Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Right. People have been playing around with superheroes. I mean, you have Blade and the X-Men series that started uh, not terribly long before this. Outside of like the big two continuities, you have um, other comic book movies like... The Phantom, the Shadow, the Mystery Men. Yeah. All of which we've talked about before. Go check out our Comics Bracket from approximately a year ago. Yeah.
1: And I think especially if this Mystery Men are kind of taking it as read that superheroes are, we're not expected to take them seriously inherently, which I think is important. Like, I'm not sure if this would feel the same in the modern day.
0: There's definitely this sense that in this film and some of the other more lighthearted takes on superheroes that they are going back to the roots of comics and like this is media that is designed to be consumed by children so it's like lighthearted and comical that doesn't mean that adults can't get anything out of it right we've moved further away from that because many of the comic book films are catering to older fans who have this nostalgia factor or also who grew up when comics were becoming more gritty, to a certain extent more serious, but honestly that's a more recent development. Uh, You mentioned like Sky High would look very different, it was made in the modern era, and we have brought this up before, but I think that My Hero Academia is treading a lot of the same territory that Sky High does, and we can definitely see how it is much different in this Age of what we expect from comic book esque narratives.
1: And hey, it is a tight web of continuity with much less episodic narrative, even when it really ought to have some. Yeah. It also has a girl whose whole thing is being really good at technology and who's kind of creepy with her relationships. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> hmm.
0: <laughs> hmm. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about the weirdness of the allegory for heroes versus sidekicks and the film. There's this icky genetic component. It could be read a number of ways about which aspect of oppression they want this to be an analog for.
1: It's oppression with all the serial numbers off.
0: Unfortunately, it gets into some icky territory because of that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely this sort of genetic superiority thing going on with at the beginning of the film with how they sort heroes and sidekicks. There's some analogs to coming out as not cis and or, and or straight when Will admits to being in the sidekick course. Mm-hmm. There's definitely this sense that the group of friends that Will has made in his early days of high school kind of reads this band of...
1: Queer misfits. The kind of found family of misfits that most oppressed groups wind up having. Sky High functions literally and explicitly the way that School Ties only functions implicitly. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that the, the villains in School Ties believe is the stuff that's literally true in the universe of Sky High.
0: Yeah, which is weird and icky. <laughs>
1: yeah. There is an inevitability to it when you have people who do, who are genetically more able to exert agency than others. You are going to have the social stratification and there's not always a good way to balance that. Mm-hmm. Which means that when you try to have like the mutant metaphor or whatever playing into it, it gets messy.
0: Yeah. I do think that's one area where... My Hero Academia has done a much better job, I think specifically because the way quirks work is weird and different. There are a lot of downsides to having certain quirks, and you can make a lot of a weird quirk if you are smart and dedicated.
1: Smartness, dedication, creativity, and to a certain extent, finding your niche. There are a lot of people who have like quirks that are useful for construction or whatever, like the cement guy, cement. C- cementos. Yeah, Cementos, yeah. I get how that could be u- how as useful as a superhero but you could also use it for like art and stuff he chose to develop it t- towards superheroing.
0: We're, we're getting into the weird racial superiority stuff so it Kind of makes sense that we switch over to School Ties now, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot to un- unpack with that in-, in Sky High, but I think c- comparing contrasting Me to School Ties is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's do that. Boy, howdy. The race stuff is just as unfun the second time around. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. Knowing it was coming, I was kind of bracing for it more and kind of like watching I uh, with my hands behind my eyes like it was a horror movie. <laughs> I feel like we got into it pretty thoroughly last time. I don't have, like, more complicated thoughts or anything like that this time. I just, with superpowers, if you get, like, a really good one, like, flight, teleportation, whatever, you automatically get into the big leagues, whereas here it's very easy to get into the big leagues and fall out of them. There's not, like, a, there's less of a safety net for some people. Like, like sure, the movie ends with Charlie talking about how he's just gonna, how he'll be fine. He's, um, he's a Dylan, but... For folks like uh, McGivern, there isn't necessarily that vestation We don't have that surety of that. And heck, even though Charlie is assumed to be great, he's still not good at things. Like he, being expelled, probably the best thing that ever happened to him, because no one was going to notice how his grades weren't good and how he wasn't very good at football. All that is kind of obliterated by this other big thing that happens.
0: Yeah, and he can specifically manipulate the narrative around that, and you know, say this Jewish kid screwed me out of. Uh, my rightful place yeah my rightful place mm-hmm. and because of the society that he exists in people will believe him yeah
1: uh, although something that someone on the internet caught that I didn't it was very clever um David's football number is 42 and Charlie's number is 21 he's literally half the man that David is <laughs> especially since the, David is twice as old as him because my god he's so tall
0: there's like two years of difference between the <laughs> actors <laughs> I know
1: but Brandon Fraser just looks so much older
0: One thing that I think really works about the tension of that anti-Semitism is for a good chunk of the movie, you're kind of lulled into this false sense of security because David is fitting in so well. Uh, And there's only a few instances before Charlie finds out that pose any real problems for him.
1: Broadly, I get where you're coming from, but on the flip side, there's not that much of a narrative tension beyond that so you kind of know that it has to go bad at some point i mean like there's the strife between charlie and david with the football and all that jazz Mm -hmm. and there's the broad things of like doing well at school and all that but we don't quite have anything else that is quite as emphasized there
0: oh yeah like the the film kind of gives the game away a little bit too early because that's like the big thing that's what they're setting us up for. But uh, especially right around the time that McGivern gets sent to the hospital and David and Charlie are kind of building that relationship, there is this sense that, huh, maybe this all will work out. And I think that the audience feeling that way kind of parallels where David is at. Mm, yeah. And I, I think that works incredibly well. So everything's going well. And then, oh, there's some tension. And then, everything falls apart immediately.
1: Yeah. Everything falls apart in, like, every possible way. There's not really, like, a safe haven for him. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any football after that, is there? So we don't have the, like, him doing well at sports to keep him going.
0: No, uh, that was like the last game because like it was a championship game. Ah, uh, sure, yeah. And they were going up against the rival school.
1: And he loses his girlfriend. He loses his, uh, his friend group.
0: Yeah, he barely even maintains a relationship with his roommate.
1: I'm kind of sad we don't have more of his time working uh, in the food service part of the school because he seems like he has some people who are at least in his corner a little bit. I'll work your table. You can take mine, all right? Listen, man, you need this job as much as I do. Come on, Green. Don't blow it, all right? I wouldn't mind seeing at least one or two more scenes of what that's like, even if it's just a short conversation. I think he needs to be and feel isolated, but...
0: Yeah, but having him find some amount of solidarity with the other kids who need to work for their uh, place at the school, I think would be good. And it would give us some contrast to David and Charlie's relationship that is very different
1: right i mean also just let us get into the class dynamics a little bit more and i'm oh oh, (laughs) what what i'm saying is put upon protagonists of after school specials need a union
0: (laughs) i do actually want to go back and talk about the beginning of the film a little bit because it's not something we discussed much last time and i think there's a lot of interesting things going on Mm mm-hmm pretty early on the film, like David gets into a fight because of anti-Semitism. And it's really interesting because he has a group of Gentiles who do accept him and a group that definitely do not. Mm -hmm. And we get to see how that tension plays out. And when eventually things break down into violence, it's not stop it, it's take it somewhere else.
1: (laughs) Please don't break things in my store. I have to pay for them.
0: (laughs) See, to a certain extent, I rate it as anti-Semitic violence is okay as long as it happens in the shadows.
1: That's fair. I I mean, it all seems like it's kind of their place. So I feel like there's element of like these guys need their asses kicked. I just don't want it to happen in my store because I'm I, I'm legally culpable.
0: Yeah, like I'm not saying it's very cut and dry. This is what it is, but there's definitely this seed of that that I find a little bit icky.
1: That's fair. I I hadn't read it that way, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a interesting bit in the opening where all David's friends are saying goodbye to him, and one of them tells him, "He's not going off to war. <laughs> Only Massachusetts." I like that line because it kind of reinforces that were not that far out from World War II still being a thing. Like, that's in recent cultural memory.
0: There's some interesting narrative stuff going on. So, after the fight, he um, is at his dad's place of work. They're driving home together. And his dad's chastising him for getting into the fight.
1: You get an opportunity like this out of the blue, and you go off and pull it, shit? I had to. This is a school two presidents went to. A pipeline at Harvard University. They're
0: going to see you and think you're some kind of hoodlum. While they're having this conversation, they're literally stopped by a train because they're driving through out of a train yard. And I love that they are physically stopped in this place as his dad is talking about. If you continue this, it's going to like figuratively stop you in your place. You're not going to be able to get into
1: Harvard. Right. And they're being stopped by a much bigger force than them that could easily crush them if they were uh, a little bit out of line, as it were.
0: Yeah. And it's something that they have absolutely no
1: control over. Mm-hmm. we also have that conversation later in the diner with David and Sally Sally yeah yeah. yeah. Well, this one day my father and I see these two guys and one of them's got a rope around his waist and he's holding a net bag and his buddy's holding the other end of the rope and lowering him into the pit before oh well, they were scavenging for tin cans
0: God, god who'd want to do that
1: that's what I said to my old man and he gave me this long hard look and he said Davy, that's an honest living I'm between that and the bit where his dad is giving him a blessing and... My lieber kid. Kid is in the height. Come on, pop. You're sounding like grandpa. You should be so lucky. It gives a very strong sense to the sadness and loss of his dad has gone through that David is getting out of without wasting time on that, if that makes sense. Like, if the film doesn't, like, stop the camera to, like, tell us things that we can understand through dialogue way better. It's very economical storytelling that I appreciate.
0: There's quite a bit to downplay some of the family's Jewishness, partially, like, you know, coming from a working class background, which is very against stereotype for what people assume of Jewish people. Well, his name is David, you know, biblical David and Goliath. So, like, his younger brother's name is Petey. We meet him and he's in, like, a coonskin cap. And it's just, like, the idyllic 1950s home life. Like, that little kid is going to go home and sit in front of the TV and watch Howdy Doody. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. I don't think there were a lot of good options. Like, on one hand, it's kind of they're downplaying a lot of... You know, like cultural signifiers of Jewishness, but on the other hand, they're also showing that this community is not a monolith.
1: I think there's also an element of um, David not being all that into his heritage. It doesn't seem like he's upset with it or unhappy with it but it seems more like it's something he kind of accepts as just a inevitability of him as supposed to being something he celebrates partially because he gets shit for it all the time it seems like yeah. but also he doesn't seem like he's actively embracing it there is more to him than his jewishness but a lot of the film is people not being able to see that which i think is a good way to go he has all the other things that he would rather be but he's kind of i guess saddled with this burden yeah But i mean not that not that being Jewish is a burden, obviously, but like the, in, in the context of this film, it kind of winds up being...
0: Yeah. There's also, I think, this sense that he is doing it to honor his father uh, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. We get that scene early on where... He... It's
1: Rosh Hashanah. You haven't forgotten? Nice. Uh, I got a game against Winchester, Pop.
0: And he ends up like breaking into the chapel to, to his prayers later to... Like, keep his promise to his
1: father. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he talks about. I lied to my father. I lied to myself. I think that plays into some interesting stuff about like societal expectations and duties and responsibilities. Like, he and everyone else at the school are both kind of in the same boat, as it were. It's just mm-hmm. that his are radically different.
0: Everyone deals with expectations from their elders. It's just that David's and everyone else's are very different.
1: Right. Speaking of expectations from our elders, I was curious about the French that McGivern was trying and failing to recite. Okay. So, uh, it turns out it is a poem by John Keats. It translates to, uh... My spirit is too weak. Mortality weighs heavily on me like an unwilling sleep, and each imagined pinnacle and steep of godlike heart tells me I must die like a sick eagle looking at the sky, yet tis a general luxury to weep that I had not the cloudy winds to keep fresh for the opening of the morning's eye. Such dim-conceived glories the brain bring round the heart and... An indescribable feud, So of these wonders most dizzying pain the minos grecian grandeur with the rude wasting of old time with a billowing mane, a sun, a shadow of a magnitude. It's this really wild poem about how, like, when you're faced with these grandeurs of old, there's not a good way to express all the emotions in them, and I think it fits really well with the themes of uh, these characters, especially McGivern, who is, I think, the most legacy and the most not living up to that legacy. I <laughs> Mac has to go to Princeton, all right? Five generations of McGiverns have gone to Princeton. If I don't get in, it means the blood has gone thin. It means the others
0: all had cocks. And I just have a (laughs) wee-wee.
1: I think Charlie, to a certain extent, but also he has, I guess, more of a support system where McGivern doesn't have the football. He just kind of has his his wits and his humor. And we all know that the class clown isn't, like, the one who succeeds in these narratives. Yeah, That's just, like, a given thing, Mm -hmm. I say, as a class clown. I think this movie is smarter than it necessarily needed to be. It's playing on more obscure knowledge of things that, have more meaning than you might expect because so much of it is very service level oh also uh there's a bit where the subtitles describe david as letting out a tarzan yell which is uh, (laughs) not quite what someone might have used five years later to describe who's yelling
0: george george george
1: George of of the the jungle jungle, strong strong as he can can
0: be surprisingly good
1: movie (laughs) is it i haven't watched it in a very long time
0: i haven't either i have very fond memories of it though
1: We'll put on the Brendan Fraser bracket. Oh, speaking of horror, as we were with The Mummy, can we talk about how deeply horrific this whole, like, 12 Angry Men thing is in practice? I mean, I I know, like, I was having a good time with it because it's, like, it was very well written, but making students decide who to punish is scary because they're just doing it on their own without external support. And I know that's part of the theme to the film and all that jazz, but it's still scary. I feel bad for them. I mean,
0: there's definitely this sense of mob justice there, but it's also the school administrators are threatening communal punishment.
1: Yes, also horrifying.
0: Also against the Geneva Conventions, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about on this podcast before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's ask this question. Which is more societally horrifying, the school of School Ties or the school of Sky High?
0: The thing about the school from School Ties is that school either currently exists or definitely has existed. The mm-hmm. thing about the school in Sky High is no one has superpowers. <laughs> yeah. I think it really comes down to what is more horrifying, dealing with the evils of uh, humanity that actually exist or the hypotheticals of a world with actual genetic superiority and super beings who are literally above us and, as far as I'm aware, have very little oversight.
1: I would argue that the one from Sky High is maybe a little more horrifying than because I hadn't thought about the um, lack of governance thing, for one thing, but also in school Ties, David wins! Like, he s- managed to barely beat the system or at least get a pass from it. You used me for football. I'll use you to get into Harvard. Yeah, it wasn't even a Furic victory. There's some, like, bitter notes to it, but, like, he does make it out okay. And I think that the movie's suggesting that it is possible for unjust systems to be beaten and to start to be eroded as long as, you know, people do the right thing. Whereas in Sky High, the systems are ingrained into the fabric of the universe.
0: I mean, there's also the fact that the whole scheme happens because of the gross incompetent of all the adults. Yeah. And also, uh, unless Will had just very conveniently developed his second superpower, <laughs> none of that would have gone the way it did in the film. I, don't know, I think maybe if there was a little bit more foreshadowing that that second power was coming, it wouldn't feel so hokey.
1: Right. If they mentioned that secondary superpowers were a thing, yeah. if someone else was like a legacy person.
0: Uh, again, a, a thing that My Hero Academia does better.
1: I have a good transition for this. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, what school is more pretentious? What was the name from the school from school time? Did you ever find that?
0: <laughs> I did. So it's a Protestant school named St. Matthew's.
1: Okay which is very odd. It has been around for 193 years. I was like, is that older than Protestantism? No, wait, that's (laughs) not how that works. You know, I stopped my confirmation class. I should know this better. Okay, so we've got a Catholic name for a Protestant school. Named me after a saint, not that bad. That, that is an actual saint, I believe. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I mean,
0: it, it's also one of the saints that, like, wrote one of the four Gospels. Yeah. He's so.
1: he, fairly well known. Uh, meanwhile, we have a name that is a pun.
0: Yes, Sky High. We also know of another name of the school in this universe because there was the sequel that got pitched but never came to fruition called Save You. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and... I think Save You is more pretentious because it has a mission statement right in the title. Here's the thing.
0: I think puns are inherently not pretentious. They are the lowest form of
1: wit. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Pretence is all about having, like, performative dignity, whereas uh, puns are all about having earnest doofiness. Exactly. It's a a dad joke name.
0: (laughs) Yes. So I don't think that we can give it to Sky High or Save You for most pretentious, so I think it has to go to st matthews
1: oh for sure yeah but our real category is who is most prep most nerd most goth and most jock well we start
0: with goth because goth is usually the most difficult
1: okay so from goth we have war and peace from sky high and skip from class both of them have
0: major daddy issues i definitely think that overall though warren is definitely more goth like he is more day-to-day goth i don't think he has some of the Deep pits of darkness that Skip gets into at times, though.
1: I think Warren is more outwardly goth and un Goths over time, whereas Skip, like, the goth still starts to come out more and more like he's a Byron it, character. Yeah.
0: As you peel back the layers. Yeah.
1: Oh, I will say, though, uh, we've established that goth and punk are the same thing for the purpose of this bracket, and emotional intelligence is very punk rock. So therefore, I say that War and Peace...
0: Gets- I mean, I think we've already established that War and Peace... Like, I had every intention of voting for War and Peace. Oh, well,
1: cool. Well, yeah. so do I. Excellent. <laughs> we'll cut this bit. <laughs> Let's do most jock, because we're going to get weird with prep and nerd. That's fine. For jock, who got Penny, because she is an entire cheerleading team, and David who made his way into school on a scholarship for football.
0: I think we have to go with David mostly because being a jock is more of a part of his actual character than Penny is. Yeah. No diss to Penny.
1: Right. Like, Penny's incredibly great. Where's her spin-off movie? <laughs> but, yeah. And we see way more, like, actual sports from David than, he, than from Penny. Yeah. Things are getting weird now because, if you'll remember from Sky High, Gwen Grayson is also Sue Tennyson, and she was in both categories for Prep and Nerd. Yes. Where do you want to go for that first Let's go
0: ahead and do nerd, and we'll save prep for last, since that is the prep school
1: bracket. That's true. We have Jonathan from class versus Sue Tennyson from Sky High. I mean, I feel like it's gotta be Sue, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, her, I mean her...
0: Jonathan cheated
1: on his SATs. Yeah, and she has glasses.
0: <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but also, she's good at machines. Also, she, like, planned an elaborate plan, whereas Jonathan fumbled his way through life. Yeah. He fumbled his way through several people's lives. He fumbled
0: his way into bed with his roommate's mom. Multiple times.
1: So, yeah, I'll give it to Sue Tennyson. Yeah. So, can she win round two of this um, competition and be more of a prep than Charlie Dillon Third? I don't
0: think she can be more prep than Charlie <laughs> Dylan. Like, it really feels like at the end of all this, it's going to be Catherine versus Charlie <laughs> for most prep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> so that rounds it out. Oh, yeah, hey, there's, there's an even split. Both movies brought two winners. Good job. But who brings the actual winner this time round?
0: These are very different films. They're doing very different things.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a little unfair to make them compete because they have such different goals. Yes. And wants and needs.
0: But even if we are ignoring Mike's criteria of which is the most prep school movie, mm-hmm. which is definitely School Ties, I do think School Ties is just a better made film.
1: We spent most of our Sky High conversation this time talking about superheroes and legacy as opposed to, like, the school aspect of it, Thing To be fair,
0: part of that is also that we, like, Sky High got effectively a double-length episode of its own because, oh, was that bad.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think that Sky High, while fun, has more problems that, like, it kind of nickel dines its way down, whereas school ties really does hold up. There's so much that works about it. I mean, not everything... It... Those fight scenes, man. Those fight scenes. Yeah. But it's just a very affecting movie. Watching it a second time made me like want to dig into it more.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I think fight scenes are the only thing that Sky High has over
1: uh, School Ties. Um, Sky High has more women that do things. That's fair. Like, I mean, I get it. It's an all boys boarding school. Although I think the one
0: like actual female character that we do get, Sally, is really well done. She's got. She has some agency. She has an arc. There's depth to her. Yeah. So, School Ties is moving on to the semifinals.
1: But in round one of the semifinals, we've got Dead Poets Society versus, of all things, Wild Child.
0: Yeah, surprisingly, dark horse of the bracket, I guess. And then in the second half of the semifinals, it will be Mona Lisa Smile versus School Ties. Before we uh, do our sign off, we do want to announce what our plans for after the bracket proper are.
1: Just so some of you might want to do a rewatch, even I reread
0: we are going to be doing a two-part special over all eight Harry Potter films.
1: That's right. We're breaking something that could have been shorter up into two parts.
0: <laughs> I don't think it could have been shorter. <laughs> I don't want to deal with eight movies in a single episode.
1: So get hyped for that. We're hopefully going to have some guests on for that. And feel free to tag us in your like, re-watch or reread posts. Mm-hmm. We'd love it. Yeah, you might have better thoughts than we do. So if you want to catch any of that, Or anything else, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever you catch your pods. This has been the Gratuitous Pausing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.